The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in to NBA Pulse, a production of iHeartRadio and the NBA. I'm Sarah Kustak, NBA analyst for the Yes Network, and today is Monday, January 22nd. And from our extraordinary core group of NBA journalists, we're joined now by NBA.com senior writer John Schumann. And Shu, you got your power rankings out. And we got some movement in the top five. I like to see it. The Boston Celtics move up from the number two spot to number one. Los Angeles Clippers are up to number two from number five. Philadelphia 76ers make a jump up to three. The Denver Nuggets drop down to four. And the Oklahoma City Thunder, after losing two games in Los Angeles last week to the Clippers and to the Lakers, drop down from one to number five. Though, Shu, I want to get into your number two team for this week, the Los Angeles Clippers. Haven't talked about them too much. I just saw them. I was out. In Los Angeles, uh, calling some Brooklyn Nets games. I saw their win over the Lakers um, and their loss uh, in in tough fashion against the Los Angeles Clippers team that had a tremendous comeback in the fourth quarter. Uh, Clippers now have won five of their last six games, eight of ten. Uh, it's just impressive, not just with the way Kawhi Leonard is playing, and and he, by all accounts, had a bit of an off night. Paul George, an off night. James Harden was very good, but the the depth of this group and still how they're continuing uh, to play the way they are with Avica Zubats sideline for a stretch here. 
shoot, tell me about this Clippers team and what you see in your perspective, uh, not just what they're doing offensively, but defensively and, and how they're such kind of just a balanced team in the way that they can operate. Yeah, I mean, well, I think we've mentioned multiple times on this podcast that they started 0-5 with James Harden. Um, since then, they're 24-7, and which is the best record in the league um, over that time. Um, and I think... You know, last week was just, you know, they only played two games, but it was two impressive wins. One in that they beat the Thunder, uh, and they were trailing late in that game and ended the game uh, on a 14-2 to two run. And then, obviously, uh, as you saw, they were down 18 in the fourth quarter, um, down 11 with a few minutes left, and then finished the Nets off with a, 20, a ridiculous 22-0 run. Westbrook! for the Clippers. Um, I still find them super intriguing as far as lineups are concerned, just because, you know, they finished most of that 22-0 run came with uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Norman Powell, and Kawhi Leonard, which I guess means Kawhi Leonard was the, was the five man in that, uh, uh, on that lineup. And that lineup had only played like 12 minutes prior to, to Sunday. So I, I find them kind of interesting. I think um, that part of interesting, I, they obviously need their bigs. Uh, Ivica Zubox was having a, a great season before he got hurt. Um, Daniel Tice and Mason Plumley have both been more than serviceable. Um, but I think they're, they're kind of fun to watch when you start to put, you know, all the talent on the floor. Right. And, and I remember I was at their first game with James Harden in, in New York. And I just watched them run out onto the floor and thought, oh, my gosh, this team has so much talent. And obviously it took a few a while for them to put it all together, but um, they did. And they have the ability to be ridiculously good offensively. But I think defensively is where they've been. They've been a little bit more consistent. Um, and God, I mean, they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. It starts right there. Um but, you know, Ty Lue is just an excellent coach. He's always been very good, even when they've been shorthanded over these last few years, when they played without Leonard or played without Leonard and George, they, they've been really good defensively. Terrence Mann is a really good defender. He's a guy that they will sick on Steph Curry and he'll sort of take Steph Curry out of a game as much as anybody can take Steph Curry out of a game. Um, he'll do the same with, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and, you know, if, if that's not working, they put Paul George on him. And if that's not working, they put Kawhi Leonard on him. Like that's, it's just an amazing, um, just how much they, talent they have, especially when you consider both ends of the floor. You, you just said it. And I think that's where them coming at you in waves and the length and the way that they could shrink the floor collectively, but also with individual defenders. And I think, too, just watching, you mentioned about Ty Lue. I, I've always been just it's so impressed and fascinated by him pushing the right buttons, how he gets teams to gel together, um, in-game adjustments throughout the course of a season. You, you even saw it, you know, Cam Thomas is going off a bit d d yesterday, and so he has them double a little bit, but the backline rotations, who he puts on them, multiple um, guys that he can toss at them, they were going small, so they could switch all across, but half the time they don't need to because guys can stay in front. Uh, but, but more so to me, you mentioned that about Harden. When I last saw them, 
I think it was one of the first games that Harden was was traded over there. How James Harden has acclimated, and you saw this in in Brooklyn when he first came over, of of understanding his role, what he needs to do, when he needs to be a scorer, how to facilitate, um, just playing is such a deliberate tempo and pace. And then you got Westbrook that will come in, and all of a sudden it's like you, you are running in a different in a different mode when you got Terrence Mann with you, or when Norm Powell comes in, and just what that second unit looks like. I think Westbrook has entirely embraced his role, understands where to be on the floor, um, where they're giving him the ball, just more decisive um, in in ways that I think just benefit what they're doing offensively. And so overall, like I said, I'm just I'm impressed with how they've all worked together and the optionality that they have within their lineup. And hopefully Zubats comes back because, as you mentioned, they um, they can use him and he was playing so so well for for them um clippers are a team number two the team right behind them that you have in your power rankings philadelphia 76ers i'm talking about a big man um joel Embiid has been out of this world the 76ers are currently sitting third in the in the eastern conference um right here but joel has just been tremendous and i think watching just kind of what he's done with him on the floor and being healthy and off the floor. Shu, I'm curious how the numbers stack up with that and just the rate that he has been been producing for the 76ers team. Um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, they're for the season. The Sixers are uh, 25 and six with Joel Embiid in the lineup, and that's 15 and two since Thanksgiving. He was out for a little bit. He came back last week. They won four straight games. Um, and the, the offense, the scoring is, is just ridiculous. He scored 30 or more points in 20 straight games. Embiid from the free throw line and Embiid layup, make it 26 (laughs) for Joel tonight. Over that 20 game stretch, he's averaged 36.8 in just 34.2 minutes. Um, for the season, he's averaged, um, you know, 35, is it? Let me Check yeah, one more 35. Time. 35, 35 in, in 34 minutes, basically. So his 30, he's per 36 minutes, he's averaging 36.9 points. That would be the second highest scoring per 36 minutes in NBA history, <laughs> behind only uh, Wilt Chamberlain's 37.4 per 36. So it's it's not that far off the highest mark in NBA history. Uh, in 1961-62. Well, averaged more than 50 points per game that, that year, but he averaged more than 48 minutes per game. He basically wow. played every minute, wow. including overtime, um, that season. And so, you know, the following year, he averaged more than 40 points per game, but he, he also averaged like 47 minutes. So when you think about it on a per-minute basis, Embiid's is the second greatest scoring season in NBA history, which is... Um, Pretty amazing. Yep, 31 for Joel tonight. Nine rebounds. 33 for Joel Embiid is the Sixers' effort to put this game away. And what's funny is that he's actually been slightly less efficient scoring this year than he was last year. But his usage rate is the third highest in the in the 28 years for which we have play-by-play data, tra- trailing only one James Harden season and one Russell, Russell Westbrook season. So that, I mean, those are two guards, right? Uh, you know, two guards that have the ball in their hands all the time. You know, Westbrook went with Oklahoma City after Kevin Durant left, James Harden in Houston. 
this is Embiid, who's a big man who's got that, you know, high usage rate. So um, it's pretty amazing. Um, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I, <laughs> I don't know what he's, he's a, he's a terrific shooter. I mean, he's just so deadly from that mid range and, and, you know, defenders don't want to pressure him too much because they're going to foul him or he's going to drive by them, by them to, to, for a dunk. And so they give him that, you know, 15 to 18 footer and he's just so good at it. It's just become automatic. It's just a matter of the Sixers just getting the ball in that position. And when you have a guy, a guard as quick as Tyrese Maxey, um, that's not that difficult because he's going to bend the defense and, and, you know, allow Embiid to sort of sit into his spot and get the ball in position to score. That's what's been fun to watch. And I also think give Nick Nurse credit uh, for just being creative in ways, how they operate so much when runs through him. As you said, he's averaging a career high 5.9 assists per game. So the fact that Maxi leads the team, you're talking about, as you said, with with guards, with perimeter players, with primary ball handlers, you know, Maxi is 6.7 assists, Joel right behind him, but how they're able to, to complement one another and play off one another has been just tremendously fun to see how that has evolved. I think we, we've talked about this before, but when you catch the ball in the middle of the paint or at the, at the nail, yep. It's hard to double, right? Like if you double, every every other teammate is one t- is one pass away. So, it, it that's the perfect spot for him to operate. Mm-hmm. And, and you got shooters all around him. Um, speaking of Joel Embiid, we're going to get to your all star all star voting, all star starters. They uh, will be announced this Thursday on TNT. Uh, take a quick break and find out Shu, who you voted for. Welcome back to NBA Pulse. Sarah Kustak joined by John Schumann. And Shu, it is about that time of year. All-Star is is inching closer to us. On Saturday, you had to turn in your votes for the All-Star starters, which will be announced this Thursday on TNT at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we will later find out about who the coaches vote in for the reserves. Uh, but Shu, what's can you can you reveal your your ballot, your 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 voting uh, to us to us listeners? All right, we'll start in the Eastern Conference because the front court was very easy. Uh, we just mentioned Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum. I didn't. I didn't I don't think anybody had to think twice about those three guys in the front court. Um, I think the first uh, backcourt spot was fairly easy with Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but the second backcourt spot spot was tough. And, and for me, it came down to, you know, five different guys were in sort of I, I, I gave strong consideration to. Um, and those are Jalen Brunson, uh, Damian Lillard, Tyrese Maxey, Donovan Mitchell, and Derek White. Um, Derek White doesn't have like the box score numbers that all those other guys do, but he's been super efficient. And the best team in the league has been much better when he's been on the floor than it's been with him off the floor. Um, but ultimately, I went with Tyrese Maxey. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, he's sort of, it was between him and Mitchell, I think ultimately Mitchell had the slightly better box score numbers, two more points per game. Um, but Maxie's been just on the better team. And at the time I was looking at it, Maxie had played in nine more wins than Donovan Mitchell had. It was like 27 wins that Maxie had played in. Donovan Mitchell played in only 18. Um, 
So I think that's what came down to it. So my backcourt was Tyrese Halliburton and Tyrese Maxey. And my frontcourt, like I said, was Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, and Jason Tatum. I love it. I, I like that logic. I like that thought. I am a huge, huge fan of Tyrese Maxey. I think if if I had to put in votes, uh, Donovan Mitchell likely would have gotten mine. Cleveland Cavaliers sitting fourth there in the Eastern Conference. A huge part of that has been Mitchell. You consider how much time Mobley has missed and you know, Darius Garland, some of those things. And I, I know just Cleveland, how they've continued to put things together behind some super strong play of Jared Allen. Um, but I think with Maxi being being an all-star, but being a starter, I think I'd probably spread things out a little bit there, but I like it. I like it. There's a lot of good options. And to your point about those other four, pretty easy to lock in. What about the Western Conference? Uh, Western Conference, two, two guys were written in pen before I even started. Those were Nikola Jokic and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I actually would have had them like if we had a, like an MVP vote at the midpoint of the season. I think they would have been one and two in some order um, ahead of Embiid just because they played a lot more minutes than he had. Um, but they were fairly easy. Gilgis Alexander in the backcourt, Jokic in the frontcourt, and then Luka Doncic was a fairly easy pick uh, for the second backcourt spot. Um, with apologies to Steph Curry, of course, Doncic, you know, is you know the foundation for one of the you know best teams in the western conference just puts up huge absolutely huge numbers um so then it was just two front court spots in addition to Jokic, um and i considered six different guys for those two spots um uh ultimately i went with rudy gobert and Kawhi leonard uh leonard oh Okay. Yeah. So I like this. I like apologies to Paul George, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. Davis and and James. Oh, you know, your team's in 10th or 11th place. I'm sorry. You know, it's not not good enough. Um, And then, you know, Durant, I I considered pretty heavily. uh, But, you know, like, I, I think Phoenix you know, at the time was 18 and 16 in games that he had played. Um, Rudy Gobert is the foundation for the best defensive team in the league. And that great best defensive team in the league has been so much better defensively when he's been on the floor than when he's been off the floor. So I, I didn't really hesitate too much with that one. I know the offense isn't there, but the offense is better than it's been, you know, for most of the last few years. Um, he's still an efficient scorer, you know, um, when he does score. Uh, and like I said, the defense is just there. And I'm sorry, I know it's an all-star game, but I still consider defense when I'm when I'm voting for, for all-star starters. And then Kawhi Leonard, I mean, what can I say? He's the best player on one of the best teams in the league. Um, and, you know, his numbers are great. His efficiency is great. Uh, and the Clippers have been much better with him on the floor than they've been with him off the floor. Shu, I love you. I love your thought process. 
I can't vote Rudy Gobert into my All Star starters ahead of LeBron James. I get it. I just, I I just can't do it. But that's why Especially... we have like a hundred of us voting, right? Like, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be somebody that's partial to a Rudy Gobert. I appreciate type. it. I respect it. I, I mean, respect think it. About, like they're the number one team in the West, right? You're, and have and, been for and, pretty much the entire season. And it's not because their offense, right? Like their no. offense is in the bottom half of the league. They're number one team in the West. It's not because they're off. It's because of the defense. And that defense is built around that one dude. And I, um, I know, I know, like, even, like, you're going to get to the playoffs and it's not going to, his value is going to diminish a little bit. You're going to play a team that has, yeah, you could play Phoenix and his value isn't as much because those guys can hit, you know, mid-range jumpers but if you want a good defense in this league over the course of 82 games you know you put rudy go bear on the floor and you put him in drop coverage and you're in good shape he's also having a great great season you, relative to you, his you, to last season and maybe even the season before i i you you're saying you're saying all the right things <laughs> i though don't want to see the the bedrock of a league best defense in the all-star game i want to see the the league's all-time leading score the the lakers are not in ninth place because of lebron james the um, good thing about it is we're we're just i'm we're just voting for the starters so i don't like stress it all that much like if, if it was like they will uh, if, you know follow up yeah if my vote had something you know whether a guy made the roster or not yeah. that would be a little bit more stressful but i you know it's always like well I, i'm not gonna i'm you know this guy's gonna get slighted in my vote a little bit but he's still gonna make the team i love it and i love minnesota i'm a huge fan of gobert um this is this is why i appreciate just being able to flippantly say things and not actually put it in pen uh but you as always we appreciate you we appreciate your time your power rankings are absolutely awesome nuggets um insight just great stuff about every single team uh so read that on nba.com and we will look forward to talking with you again soon all right sarah thanks nba pulse with sarah kustak is a production of the nba and iHeartRadio. please rate review and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts the nikki glazer podcast her roast of tom brady stole the show now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the nikki glazer podcast i said tell tom brady that i'm the tom brady of roasting lots of people roasted the goat but only nikki is still being talked about every time i refresh my dms it's 14 blue check marks of people i didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me hear that in all episodes of the nikki glazer podcast on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the nikki glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.